I'm a little hungover still, so I apologize. It's all is forgiven in the world of Rated Radio. Welcome back to Rated Radio with your hosts, Lexi Ray and Shane Wyndham. Hey, Ray Ray, what billboard hit were we dumb enough to listen to? Well, Shaner, uh, we were dumb enough to listen to... It's fucked up. <laughs> Five Foot Nine by Tyler Hubbard. Since we're bringing back old nicknames, let's just keep it rolling with a good old Shaner. What did you think? This short, newer country song is all about love and the appreciation of the finer things in life. My only critique is that I think they could have done a lot more with the harmony and sound layering this song. This track is good, but it really could have been great with a little more work. I gave it a 3.7. Okay. 3.7. Taking a page out of your book. <laughs> okay. Uh, by the way, this is the finale. So it we're going to listen to five, or we're going to listen to, we already listened to, we're going mm-hmm. to cover five albums that I handpicked mm-hmm. from artists we've covered in the past. So... Stick around, we'll get there momentarily. Five foot nine. Five foot nine. Yeah. Just like I like him. This may be... Oh, good God. I'm just kidding. That's my height. <laughs> Is it? I'm a short king. Oh, you're king. a short king. That's right. Anything under a six foot tall behemoth person is a short king or queen so. right i'm a short queen so as far as this song goes this may be the most torn i've ever felt about a billboard rating on one hand this is a wildly listenable country song with a deep gentle and often complex instrumental bass smooth vocals catchy melody work and even some guitar solos on display on the other hand some of the lyrics here are menacingly cliche as well as religious to say nothing of the fact that the Average female height is five inches shorter than 5'9", meaning this is one for the tall girls, lessening the broad potential of its appeal. It's my sister-in-law's height. So I want to say four stars just because of the volume of drawbacks, but my heart says five stars because of how much I enjoy hearing this unintentionally silly shit. Therefore, I'm going with five heartfelt stars, emotionally driven, trash human that I am. Yeah, Shaner's trashy. Roll the intro. Oh, while I'm looking at this page, mm-hmm. and since this is the finale, your favorite part of the season. Yeah, let's totally. Talk, let's talk corrections and stuff. Oh, God. Seriously? <laughs> okay, let's rip this off like a Band-Aid. Go. It's not all corrections, but we're going to uh-huh. clarify. Clarifications. Shane's Shane's dick corner. That sounds bad. Hey, uh, I'm, I'm coming at myself in spots. It's okay. all good. All right. Corrections. You said someone from Everclear was also in House of Pain. The internet determined that was a lie. (laughs) It's Everlast who was a part of House of Pain. Everlast. Okay. All right. Not the band that did everything to everyone. Is that the name of that song? That sounded really wrong. This correction is going to go into 2024 season. (laughs) Lord. Uh, The song Earned It didn't put the weekend on the map. So much as the hills and can't feel my face did. That's true. I can't feel my face was first. But man, were people all about that Fifty Shades of Grey shit. I'm just letting you know. Yeah, it's, a, po- it's a popular song. I it honestly don't care. Wasn't as popular as the other two. That's that just, just a bit of a head scratcher when <laughs> I heard it in post. 
Uh, when you mentioned Usher's sampling, It Was a Good Day, mm-hmm. the original sample is the Isley Brothers' Footsteps in the Dark. Okay. Got to throw the original out. Got it. When I mentioned California Love pertaining to an Usher song, the original sample is Joe Cocker's Woman to Woman. Okay. I don't know what else to say. Last one here. I couldn't find the No Diggity sample you brought up, uh, but the sample in No Diggity, for those who want to know, is Grandma's Hands by Bill Withers. Is that like Daddy's Hands? <laughs> no. <laughs> Just kidding. Good song, though, for <laughs> country know, fans. All right. Let's talk about this music. Yeah, let's quit talking about old shit. Let's talk about some new shit. And I've been dying to get to this album right here, which is an earlier AFI album from 97 called Shut Your Mouth and Open Your Eyes. And the reason I've been wanting to get here is because I know how I felt when I first heard this disc. So I'm really ready to hear what Rayburn thought about it. Okay, let's see. This was next to last for me. This was last for me. Out of the 14 tracks, I gave 14 fives. Seriously, this is this is what we're starting with. This is where we started. I gave zero fives, but just so that Shane's perfect rating doesn't go unrecognized. <laughs> if you would. Thank you. My top track was Third Season. My top track was Let It Be Broke. Bottom track, The New Patron Saints and Angels. And my bottom track was Keeping Out of Direct Sunlight. Tell us what you thought. This grunge punk contribution is not what you'd expect from this band's later works. Fast pace, in your face, and not for the faint of heart. But one positive note out of this punk contribution is at least the songs are short. They are that. (laughs) (laughs) With each song averaging only two minutes in length, this blistering hardcore punk album is akin to stepping into a hot oven. Many songs feel derivative of one another. This is not what I'd say is Davey's finest vocal performance, and it's always off-putting to me for a few minutes, definitely making it mood music, but it's also an overlooked classic. The first iteration of AFI's signature lineup and sound, and even contains a Tiger Army guest spot. Weird and weirdly effective overall. When I first heard this disc, Mm -hmm. I absolutely hated it. Okay. In my teen years, I hated it. But I kept listening to it. I couldn't stop listening to it. I was like, you know what? This fucking slaps. See, and maybe that is the vast difference between us because Shane, being the self-deprecating individual that he is, apparently even if he hates something, he will still torture himself with it over and over and over again. There are some things that I continue to think are garbage, you know. But some you still music, keep listening to it? No, some music does not grow on you at all. Okay. Like it's just William Hung, right? Hey, how dare you? He is a fan of the show. He is. Uh, when we... <laughs> is he? Yeah, he's, he's a fan. At Why least of Shane. Why did I just agree to that? Like it yes, was reality. He... What, why do we have interaction with William Hung? We've, I know we had some interaction with William Hung. We had interaction with William Hung because I decided to get you a cameo for your birthday. Oh, okay, that's and right. And he sang a song just for you, albeit I paid him to do it. But we were so happy that we featured it on the podcast's Instagram story, and he reposted it on his Instagram story. So I'm going to call that him being a fan of the show. Very nice. <laughs> Uh, What I want to say about this AFI album is, I know we talked about it when we covered AFI earlier in the season. Was it this season? Season before last. Last we covered it. Last time we covered them. I know that even when we covered the earliest album that we decided to cover in that episode, we talked about their punk roots. And while we got a touch of it there, it is on full fucking display. I told you. So when going back to that episode and you were like, oh, just wait. 
Just wait. You think this is punk? Just wait. There are two albums before this one, by the way. So clearly we know where they started, even just based off of this. Actually going to go ahead and say that I think Rayburn would be a bigger fan of those discs than this one. Okay. This one's a ride. It's a trip. Okay. Anyway, uh, next album we covered Dream Theater, Distance Over Time from 2019. This was my runner up. This was my middle album. Out of the nine tracks, nine fives. I gave two fives. Top track was a toss up between Paralyzed and Out of Reach. My top track was Out Out of of Reach. Reach. Yeah. Bottom track, Fall Into the Light. My bottom track, S2N. And what did you think of the disc? An ode to the 80s metal sounds before them. This album is reminiscent of bands like Extreme, Van Halen, Rush, and even newer artists like AFI and Deftones. That's it. Okay. That was gave a fast no, one. I gave no opinion whatsoever. I just talked about the album. Good job. <laughs> it's become popular to hate on this group, both because some people dislike their vocalist style and because their music is now commonly being viewed as pretentious or not fun to listen to. For me, this album proves those opinions are hot ass garbage. It's complex yet accessible and absolute candy to the eardrums. It meanders on occasion, which is why I wouldn't rank it above images and words or a dramatic turn of events, but it's definitely in my top five for the group. Think Rush and Metallica doing a spacey collab. At times, it also reminded me of some Queensryche shit. Yeah. Which is totally on brand with you. Hey, hey, hey. (laughs) My kind of music. I know. These were all my picks, so it makes, makes some sense, right? Okay, here's another one I've been waiting on for you, Rayburn. Lords of Acid, Lust. 1991. This was my middle album. This was my second to last album. Already no, feel vindicated. I, I, I have something that may redeem my opinion, but continue. Okay. Out of the 12 tracks, I gave 11 fives. Out of the 12 tracks, I gave one five. I'll take it. Top track was the I Sit on Acid remix. My top track was Let's Get High. It's a good one. It is. <laughs> Bottom track, I must increase my bust. I must, I must, I must increase my bust. That is my bottom as well. I want to love it, but I don't. I know, I know. And as someone with a bust, I don't love it. This high energy oversex club music seems like the type of music featured in like The Fifth Element or even Blade Runner 2049. This futuristic rave album is perfect for tripping balls in any corner of your favorite nightclub. I actually like that. Good job, Raven. You're welcome. There was some opinion in there, too. There was. <laughs> As someone who enjoys a lot of techno, sex, and 90s, this is an obvious winner in my book. Just imagine the soundtrack to 1995's Mortal Kombat film, but with an insane amount of horny edge injected throughout. It's much more gothic dance music than their later works and has a lack of melodic evolution, to be clear, but if I had to pick something with those qualities to zone out to, Lust elbows its way into the lead with some unforgettable bangers. Now, to redeem myself, I will have you know that I listened to this album last night for a (laughs) second time with my sister in her car. That's not where I thought that was going. What what did you think? No. Shut up, Shane. I mean your boyfriend loves no. this kind this type like of the, music. the club music. Uh no, I turned it on to my sister and we were both dancing in the car, just vibing, having a good time. This surprise this album is surprisingly growing on me. There's something about it. It's mostly in- instrumental, but I don't know. I just keep going back to it. It's it's the the beats are infectious. It's over over sexualized. I don't know. Call me a weirdo. But out of all these albums, 
I've listened to this one more than once. All right. Well, here's hoping eventually you come to like the other ones as well. Ah, uh, no. <laughs> Next up, Lydia, Paint It Golden from 2011. Mm-hmm. This was my top album. This was also my top album. Out of the 10 tracks, 10 fives. I gave it seven. That's some high ass praise. Mm-hmm. Especially since I don't think this album caught my attention straight away. Mm-hmm. And that's normally where I expect your opinion to fall. Like, yeah. you know, you're not listening to something two or three times for the mm-hmm. sake of the show or anything. Yeah. You, you're you trying to get done. We whipping this out, son. Hey, man, the, the minute that we make this less work, <laughs> I won't rush through it. My top track. Go ahead. Sorry. I wanted to add. I forgot to add it on the last album. Lords of Acid. You cannot find it on Spotify. I just think that that's helpful. I couldn't find Lust on Spotify. I had to it's listen on, to it's YouTube. It's on Spotify. Okay. Well, then I think ignore my dumbass. They confused things because it, uh, you have to find the, uh, it's the expanded remastered band oh, edition or so whatever it is. so it's later in their disc- discography because they... Yeah. Okay. Because they just... going back re- to that year, it's not in their discography. No, you're not going to find the originals, but this is what the music sounded like back then too, so... Okay. I went and looked up the originals on YouTube. Well, shit, you might like it even more than you go. Well, I might have to check it out. Clarity. Uh, top track for Paint It Golden was Eat Your Heart Out. Same. Bottom track, Skin and Bones. My bottom track was Ghosts. It's real hard. This is difficult. Okay. Between there's, those two? Yeah, there's a difference. I was trying to, I don't know. Don't come at me with It's Real Hard. I know, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I said whipped it, whip it out earlier, too. Like, there's a... I didn't mean to call you bitch. Yeah, there's something happening <laughs> in my head right now. I'm trying to stop because I don't know what the fuck it is. So, but it sounds real dirty. What'd you think about the album? Truly dreamy and romanticized soft rock with a big sound. It's music like this that feeds my optimistic nature. Sad as I seem, that's all circumstantial. Inside, for the most part, this disc represents the glistening depths of my bliss. The emotional floatiness on offer is very much reflection on happy times and the warm weight of second chances. I think it's the band's best as well as an ideal middle ground for everything I adore about groups like May, Diaz Vale, States, Copeland, etc. The lyrics sometimes come up a bit short and certain songs may not swing hard in all places, but I hate the thought of life without even a second of this LP. So I think we were both on the same page with optimism and hope and just that overall vibe from this album. Yeah. Okay. It's fucking phenomenal. I feel justified. Last disc that we covered, which we did it again, by the way, uh, stacked all five right here at the <laughs> without a break. We did. That's cool. Whatever. It is what it is. So <laughs> we're going to recap after the break. Last <laughs> album covered by your two favorite idiots, Our Lady Peace, Healthy and Paranoid Times from 2005. This was actually my bottom album. This was my runner up. Out of the 12 tracks, I still gave 11 fives. Not too bad. I gave three. Top track was Apology. My top track is Will the Future Blame Us? It's a good one. Bottom track. You seem so disappointed right now. I don't know how to... It feels so wrong to say, because I'm pretty sure this was the single from the album that they initially released. It's Where Are You? And mine was Walking in Circles. I could see that. Okay. I hate how often I say that. I could see that. I could see that. That makes sense. That's justified. That's justified. Mm -hmm. Emotional, alternative rock, and so... That's a a good-ass opinion. Yeah. Emotional. I'm still going into (laughs) emotional... Emotional alternative rock and so much of what I love about music from this time. Music like this invokes yearning and expression of the heart. Man, keeping it short today. I am. 
Be damned. Hey, we got we got lots of shit to talk about. As much as I enjoy parts of this one, the hard reality is that nearly half of its tracks are barely skating into that five range. The moods and styles are all over the map, and there's a good deal of dull rhythm work underlying the weaker material. Bob Rock did a good job working with the provided material, but you can tell the group was struggling to straddle their signature sound while wanting to move in a poppier punk direction and offer up more of the hitless material they naturally unearthed with their Gravity album. So it's worth hearing, if not their best. Also, I have no idea why Spotify is pretending that two of these tracks are live. They're not, to be clear. Yeah, what the fuck was up with that? I was like, this does not sound live at all. It's, (laughs) there's something about... I mean, people make mistakes, period. But like even in my discography, like I put an S in parentheses mm-hmm. and they've got it capitalized. It looks ridiculous. Hmm. So things happen. But to call a track a live track, I don't really understand how that happens. I think I even rated. I think the second one was, quote unquote, a live track. And I still rated it a five. It's like this doesn't sound like it's like shittier quality. Like yeah. most of them are from live versions, unless the shittier quality contributes to the grittiness and authenticness of the original recording. Mm hmm. Because there is something to be said about some live recordings that the, I guess, underground nature of it helps. They've got a live album. A lot of their live music is really good. <laughs> they do a great cover of uh, Imagine. By John like Lennon. John Lennon. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I might like it. And this is one of those groups who writes a ton of songs, mm-hmm. records a ton of songs, and then tries to narrow it down to the best material mm-hmm. and apparently scraps... <laughs> Yeah. Everything that they thought didn't work, which is why I remember reading that about this album and being confused by some of what made it and what didn't. And but I I don't know. I still love Our Lady Peace. Let's leave it at that. Yeah, I agree. But I I I do also agree with when you said a lot of it was middle of the road. Looking back at my ratings, there were a lot of threes here. Which I mean that that's not anything bad. No. But the vast difference between our what we covered for our lady piece and what we covered for Lydia, that guaranteed that top yeah, spot. It's pretty they striking. It. So anyway, let's take a break. Okay, you want to make fun of me? Go ahead. No, I I was going to say, this is is what happened in my brain. I was going to say, I have no retort because you looked at me like, are you going to say something? And then it reminded me of a dumbass joke that I said last night. I looked at Blue and I said, do you even know what a retort is? I said, it's like a regular tortoise, but in reverse. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) Retort is... I would have gone with... I'm stupid. uh, All right, well, we can riff on this one. I would have gone with... uh, it's like a regular tort, just inedible. I like my tortoise joke better. <laughs> so my playlist topic was favored classical tracks. And I knew this had to come up eventually. Well, at least it's out of the way now, right? Yep. Tell me what you picked. Tell me your story. Well, I actually selected Moonlight Sonata by Ludwig, Ludwig van Beethoven. Boom, doom, doom, doom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In high school, which this is actually a pretty basic ass choice, but it doesn't negate the fact that it is a good choice nonetheless. It is. In high school, while studying music theory, I selected this dark and mysterious piece of classical music among many other selections that were made available to me, some of which were Claire de Lune, 
for Elise and many more, you know, those generic basic bitch classical songs. I went with for Elise because that is so much fun to play and so difficult. Are you spoiling your choice already? No, it's just from my playlist. That's not oh, okay. what I... Go ahead. I was it talking made my about, playlist, I was too. talking about Beethoven. Oh, okay. It made my choice, too. My choice. It made my list, too. Ludwig often called it, and I'm going to butcher it. No, I'm not going to butcher it. I'm just going to say the English translation. The Sonata in the Manner of Fantasy. This heartbreaking piece of music was actually written for Beethoven's pupil at the time and contains three movements within it. Beethoven's dedication of his, his work to his 16-year-old pupil, Countess Gutierrez, Gutierrez? I, I, I did all this back in the day. If you're listening, go watch Immortal Beloved. That's all I can say. Okay. It was a profession of love that would result in the heartbreak due to the two not being able to permit to marry because of her parents. This ultimately left Ludwig absolutely heartbroken, and I think it definitely comes across in this piece of work. Oh, yeah. That's what my, about you, Shane? That's my contribution. I'm keeping, oh, yeah. it, keeping it short for you today, too. <laughs> today, too. Today, too. Today, too. Okay. I went with Consolation Number 3 by Franz Liszt. Okay. Franz Liebken? Sorry, that's Liszt. a. I know that's a producer's joke. I'm I'm an idiot. It's a musical theater thing. I was going to ask you to repeat it, but that's okay. Franz Liebken. I'm an idiot. Was, okay. Was, oh, I'm an idiot. Yeah, it felt good. <laughs> so one of the courses I took in my admittedly short college life was music appreciation. Uh, the teacher seemed almost obsessed with Robert Schumann's more simple than most and definitely less appreciated classical pieces to the point that we had to watch a whole ass movie about he and his wife Clara's lives. And I dug that because his song Dreaminess made this list and has been, I think it's Kinder's Sizen, Snizen, something. We're all about butchering people's names and pronunciations of things today. So I'm going to let it slide. Yeah, it's been a favorite of mine since childhood. But the teacher also invited the class to a piano performance she was putting on one night. I was a bit flabbergasted then that what I got at her recital was a metric ton of Liszt complex wizardry, almost as though she were ashamed of her love of simpler music when it came time to actually play. Suddenly, my own preferences and musical works felt like a joke. Eventually, though, I realized that even if her aim was to make me feel inferior, which I doubt, she was only playing notes worked out by a dead person. Actually, performing music you've written on your own was not in her wheelhouse. Maybe she'd never even tried. Yet here she was, being appreciated by a crowd, the song I picked here, Consolation, was the slowest thing I remember her playing that night. It was also my favorite among the chosen pieces, and neither of those lessons were lost on me. They were, in fact, the greatest I learned from her, both coming outside of the classroom, ironically. Hearts don't mind slow things, so long as it's touching. And if people can be beloved simply for playing things they've no proven propensity for writing, then no performer should ever feel ashamed or afraid of offering up something never before heard to this world. I think my favorite thing that you said that entire time is society doesn't mind slow things as long as it's touching. I thought it was going to be coming outside the classroom. Nah. Coming inside the classroom. Hey, oh. Uh, fucked up. Some anyway, people do. Some, people, some do. people do. Not I. I, I don't want to know about what you did in high school. I feel like I know plenty. But I think... I didn't go to high school, Rayburn. You did for... Oh, no, you didn't. Nope. Middle school. Well, oh. you were. You technically were doing a lot of coming in high school. Oh, because... yes, I was. <laughs> because that GED, you were probably, you were doing a lot of that. Because you could do it at home. GED. College entrance exams. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. I went through the motions. I just skipped all the bullshit. It wasn't like 
I was going to be playing sports or dating cheerleaders you or anything. You totally could have done all of that. I have no doubt. I skipped it, okay? I know. And then I had sex with a few cheerleaders. Okay. I much prefer the path that I took. It was fun. That's fine. Plus, I got to find myself, lose a lot of weight, so I could much more easily find myself. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're so stupid. I've been coming a lot ever since. Yeah. Okay. Uh, why? Recap time. Yeah, let's get no, back. No, it's not. No. We we're... have to take a break. We just took our break. I know. We have to say we're taking a break, play a little bit of music, and then... Oh, oh yeah. And then jump back into it. Okay. Well, let's just jump back into it. Sorry. Okay. Here's some music strangely placed. Coming again. Not really. <laughs> Thank uh, God. Hey, I'm not the one who threatened to not wear pants today. Okay. I'm just saying, if there's any reason to not wear pants, I'm finding it. <laughs> <laughs> Leaving it alone. Okay. So recap time. Let's walk back through the season. We're going to talk about our top songs. <laughs> All Ready? Right. Rapid fire? Yeah, let's do it. Copeland. Priceless. Lay Here. May. Just Let Go. The Everglow. Blink-182. Ghost on the Dance Floor. Hung Over You. Weezer. Perfect situation. Do you want to get high? Okay. <laughs> Blind Guardian. Noldor. Nightfall. Same album. Mm -hmm. Good choice. Good album. Blackmore's Night. Now and Then. Diamonds and Rust. Same album, yep. right? Okay. Jim Croce. I got a name. Operator. Dr. Hook. Sharing the Night Together. Cookie and Lila. Really? Yeah. We were vibing so much on that one uh, back in that episode. I thought for sure you'd be like, hands down, it's that. I love that song for a lot of reasons. Something about Cookie and Lila is just like right in the middle of everything I love about that band. And it's one of those songs that like people don't write, you know? Sean Mullins on his Soul's Core album wrote music like that. It's just about this weird ass couple. One cooks at a diner, the others. This is not rapid fire all of no, a sudden. I'm not. sorry. Yellow Wolf. Rocks at your window. Hillbilly Einstein, same album. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Ritz. Till the end. Down for mine. Thrice. My soul. Beyond the Pines. Thursday. Running from the rain. Understanding in a car crash. Mm -hmm. Sorry. I'm not, don't, <laughs> don't say sorry. I'm not really surprised. In this moment. Sexual hallucination. Adrenalize. Jack off Jill. Kringle. Wow. Author unknown. <laughs> Usher. Do it to me. There goes my baby. The weekend. Scared to live. And with no matches at all in that entire shit, Heartless. I almost picked Heartless. <laughs> so, uh, heartless reminds me of you. Okay, thanks. I appreciate it. Uh, no, it not for not for the re that reason. It just seems like a, a you song. That and what was the other one that I said? Never need a bitch. I'm what a bitch needs. Sorry for calling you bitch. Sorry for calling. <laughs> I swear to That's God. That's why I didn't write music like I that. I need to put put that shirt. <laughs> Sorry for Sorry calling, for you, calling bitch. you bitch. Okay. Oh, uh, so who did it come down to? What what four artists did it come down to for you? Top four: Copeland, Jim Croce, The Rice, and The Weekend. Okay, I'm with you on two of those, but who won? The Weekend. For me, it was Blink One Eighty Two, Jim Croce, Yellow Wolf. And the weekend. And it's the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's the motherfucking weekend. So let's talk best and worst artists. Mm -hmm. Who had your top average? It was actually a tie between the weekend and Jim Croce, but the weekend had more fives. Yeah, I had a tie with Jim Croce and Thrice. What about your bottom average? Blind Guardian. Oh, okay. 
is Jack off Jill for me. Okay. Top fives. The weekend. The weekend. Bottom fives. Thursday. Jack off Jill. Top purchase value. The weekend. The weekend. Bottom purchase value. Thursday. It's actually Weezer for me, but just because they had the fewest covered tracks. That's true. It was a shorter album. Was It, it wasn't the blue album. Was... No, I mean like all of it put together. Oh, it's like an okay. artist view. They yeah, had yeah, yeah. they had less tracks than almost everybody else we covered, or than everybody else we covered. Yeah. Who would have been your runner up based off of your second chance bracket? I mean, the the two people that came up here for me were Doctor Hook with a good average, and then Ritz came up in the other two. So Ritz took it from me. Ritz would have won if it were any other episode. That yeah. is to say. Well, Jim Croce purchase value was in second place, along with the average. He lost for you? He came in second. No, I mean, these are losers. What do you mean, losers? Like, people oh. that lost the episodes. Oh, my fucking God. <laughs> I've been doing it wrong this whole time. I so, just always thought it was the runner-up. Just do it off the top of your head. Really and truly, Blink-182. Okay. Because I was hella surprised that Blink-182 didn't make it in my top four. Yeah. Because I only gave two perfect ratings, spoiler alert, I only give two perfect ratings for albums this season, mm. and one of them was Blink-182. The other mm. one was Copeland. So I was a little disappointed. So but. speaking of your top perfect ratings, highest average albums, we're going to talk about albums now. What were those albums? Uh, it was Neighborhoods by Blink-182 and Beneath Medicine Tree by Copeland. Okay, this was my season. Keep mm -hmm. that in mind. Uh-huh. I already know. Rapid um, fire, go. No, they're, they're, I'm not walking this. Uh, you'll have to go back and listen because I'm not going through all of those. But if you count today's episode, mm. but don't count the special later on in the season. Oh, six, spoiler alert. 16. Actually, maybe, I don't know. 16 this season. 16 perfect ratings from me of albums. I don't remember how many. Anyway. Anyway. Album wise, what was the best purchase value for album of I, all we covered? I'm pretty sure it was uh, the weekend's after hours. It's the weekend Starboy for me. I'm not surprised. Which I've, album had the most fives? Well, it's gonna have to be the Neighborhoods and Neighborhoods album by Blink One Eighty Two okay. and Beneath Medicine Tree, just because I don't think I even gave the weekend that many fives because there wasn't a perfect rating. Okay. And I don't think that album was much longer than those. It's Starboy again for me. Had seventeen fives. What about the bottom album of the season? I don't know. Okay. I didn't do it. Uh off the top of my head. I would say probably something uh, by Thursday. Okay. Just because I think those albums were a little shorter. And yes. I didn't rate them very high. Right. So Mine was Jack Off Jill's Humid Teenage Mediocrity. Uh, that album honestly had no business being part of this season. Mm. Not that it was bad. Yeah. It's just not something that belonged in my season. You know what I mean? Why'd you pick it? You picked all the albums, didn't they you? They only had three albums. Oh, okay. All right, so you were kind of forced to in order for them to be included in yeah, the season. Yeah, and no one... No one solved the riddle from the beginning of the season or whatever, but yeah. Can, uh, can we... Jack Off Jill was the artist that I wouldn't necessarily have put in this season, in this moment for sure, which what's crazy to me, maybe it's not crazy because Jack Off Jill, their lead singer, uh, she interacted with my post on Instagram. So I, I had kind of an influx of, you know, which opinion we, and stuff like that. Which we greatly appreciate. From the Jack Off Jill community, which yes, I, I wound up liking this group quite a bit more than I thought I was going to. And that was well ahead of, you know. Well, In This Moment was not new for you. 
but Jack Off Jill com- completely was. You hadn't listened. No, I, I knew their music. Oh. But I only really knew Clear Heart's Great Flowers. Mm. I've been listening to that album since I was younger, but I didn't know the other two. Okay. So it was rolling the dice. It really was. So questionnaire time. Yeah. Whose win or loss surprised you most? Blink-182's win over Weezer. Only because I hadn't delved deep into Blink-182's discography at all. I knew the hits. I liked the hits. But I also knew a lot more from Weezer. Weezer's older stuff. Their newest stuff isn't bad. But I think I've been pretty transparent in not being a fan of that whole album of covers. Yeah. Um. So Blink-182 and their progression in their discography, they just kept getting better and better. Whereas Weezer started out strong and they sort of had a decline for me over time. I think Blink-182 has increased and sort of plateaued, but hasn't decreased nonetheless. Okay. So I didn't know that because I didn't know anything else from Blink-182 besides the hits from back when I was a snotty little preteen. All right. Well, my answer is Jim Croce beating Dr. Hook. I just hadn't thought about the math. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to add, we were talking about Jack Off Jill. Uh, One of their fans said that they said two things about the verses. The head-to-head for In This Moment and Jack Off Jill said that it's not even a, a question. Jack Off Jill wins because they solo, like they have guitar solos, and In This Moment doesn't. And the other thing they said was that In This Moment was just a Marilyn Manson clone. I've never really thought about In This Moment being anywhere close to enough like Marilyn Manson that you could consider them a clone. And also, I appreciate the feedback about the solos because I hadn't really thought about it. But that's the thing. If you yeah, but that's that only matters if you're talking to someone that gives a shit about guitar solos. Guitar solos. Yeah. And some people don't. So speaking from a place of the general consensus is, oh, Jack Off Jill should win. First of all, that's implying that anyone even knows who the fuck Jack Off Jill is, which great band. I I liked them. Uh, Go back and listen to that episode for my appreciation of them. Super talented. Yeah. And I'm not taking anything away from them, but you can't. You can't say it's such an easy decision when what you care about might not be what everybody else cares about. And I know that metalheads are more inclined to care about instrumental solos Mm -hmm. in the music. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, apart from jazz, certain kinds of country, bluegrass, like you don't hear it very... It's not in pop. Well, you appreciate the complexities of the instrumentals a lot more than I do. Yeah. Whereas I'm pretty much solely driven on the type of emotion a song invokes rather than not what they're saying not the not the complexity of the music i just only care about how it makes me feel in the long run well their wall of sound is nicely complex some of their instrumentals are nicely complex but they really don't solo really anywhere that i can think of uh, you know they it's not overly complicated music because it is more about the feel and the vocals uh, but i mean i would still put their instrumental complexity above a group like Within Temptation. Mm-hmm. Within Temptation builds a wall of sound that is, uh, it's emotionally evocative, but it's not this dark metal like you can get the fuck down to it mm-hmm. the way you can within this moment. I don't know where I'm going with all this. I just thought it was weird. I had never considered that someone is out there thinking no band can be better. Than, like, I can't like this artist because they don't have instrumental solos. That's never occurred to me. Well, Think about all of the musical artists that you're cutting yourself off to by living in that mindset. I know. And maybe that's why I would never consider that as, 
you know, I will consider knocking points off of something, you know, if it's lacking that versus another. I don't know. Anyway, let's I mean, move on. we know how I feel about certain skits and instrumental tracks. Some people, they, they don't mind it. Yeah. To me, it has to be, it has to serve a monumentous purpose to take up the space in an album. That's just that's just my preference. Yeah. There's not anything wrong with it. There's not anything wrong with the people that like the instrumentals. To each his own, like I said before. Which of the artists have you been listening to most? I've been listening to Croce, Blink-182, and The Weeknd. And up until recently, I actually listened to Lord, Lust by Lords of Acid. Nice. So. Yellow Wolf, uh, clearly. No took, surprise. Took on my... Halloween, you uh, not Halloween, on Thanksgiving, you were literally showing my brother Yellow Wolf. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And took my Artist of the Year from Spotify's Wrapped. Yep. Also, uh, Blink-182 has been up there to a degree because their new EP just came out, Mm -hmm. which I eat my words a little bit because I do really like it. I still don't know that I want DeLong there as much as I do the other, Mm -hmm. but it's all good. Did you genuinely dislike any of these artists? And if so, which? Uh, No, but I will be the first to say I might not be in the mood for some. Okay. <laughs> Very vague. Yes. I said no, even if there's a lot of Jack Off Jill I won't return to. I still dig the group on the whole. On the whole. What did you learn during this battle of the bands? How I am slowly finding more folk and punk to enjoy. I wrote that Jack Off Jill's lead singer Jessica has a stellar side project called Scarling. We completely dropped the ball on realizing that exists, but it does, and it's amazing. Um, I'm not going to say I like it better than Jack Off Jill. I think that's a bridge too far. But it holds a candle. Oh, if you're a fan of Jack Off Jill, you should absolutely go listen to the Scarling albums as well. That's what I'm saying. All right. Which artist have you picked for the next Battle of the Bands, Rayburn, for next season? Well, are we wanting to spoil that here a little bit? Yeah, I'll go ahead and give my answer, which was I don't get to pick Very Sad Day. This is season 10's Shane's Season of Hell. Uh, if, if I had to go through it with you, you got to go through it with me. So, spoiler alert for what we're going to be covering at the beginning of season 10, which is Rayburn's season. Yeah, Rayburn picks everything next season. I do. Hence why I don't get to pick shit. Yep. Did this to myself. Yep. Give me a minute. Please hold for ABBA. <laughs> Uh, no comment. What else? Okay. What else might be there? It's okay. Go ahead. Anyway. Uh, what's her name? Melanie Martinez. Probably gonna be in a sunbitch somewhere. We'll see. We'll see. No spoilers here, except for episode one. So the two artists that I've chosen for episode one of season 10 to go head to head, I'm kind of getting, getting Shane's toes a little wet with this one. It's Bleachers versus Fiction Factory. The albums that we're going to be covering by Bleachers is Strange Desire from 2014, Gone Now from 2017, and Take the Sadness Out of Sunday Night from 2012. I did that in all sorts of shitty order. And then for Fiction Factory, it's Throw the Warped Wheel Out from 1984, Another Story from 1985, and Feels Like Heaven from 2013. Feels like heaven. Okay. So Bleachers versus Fiction Factory is going to be first up for season 10. If you want to hear what we have to say about that, tune on in. Yeah, that'll be two months from now, I think. So my season is not over with. Not yet. So tune in in a month (laughs) where our special, which I plan to release for free. For free? 
And the bonuses are free now, too. So if you yep. missed them, go hear them. Go hear anything you want to. We just talked about Sling Blade and Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Yeah, it was a pretty good episode. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to give you the albums here. You'll have to tune into the bonus that's coming in two weeks to hear the albums. But our special this season, and my season, the way I want to close this out is the Insane Clown Posse versus the Insane Clown Posse. Whoop, whoop. So the notion here is I wanted to take three Joker's cards and pit them against three Joker's cards from the second deck. So you get three from the first and three from the second. This motherfucker found a workaround. I it's did. like saying, I'm going to do Ozzy against Black Sabbath, or I'm going to do White Zombie versus Rob Zombie. So Hey, no apologies. <laughs> My goddamn season. No, no apologies necessary. Anyway, that's going to do it for now. Hit up our playlist, visit our shop, share with your friends, come find us online to get your voice on the show. And until next time, fill your fucking world with music. And thanks for another wonderful season of music memories. Merry ho ho and shit.